0: Welcome to the latest installment of The Curious Capitalist. The Curious Capitalist is a series of podcasts where we take the opportunity to not only speak to board members from the Conscious Capitalism Connecticut chapter, but also local business owners, startups and entrepreneurs from across the state of Connecticut. On this edition of The Curious Capitalist, I'm joined by Ricky Evans. Ricky is among the leading Connecticut minority business owners with his company, Ricky D's Rib Shack, located in New Haven. Now, Ricky was born in Cleveland. He spent nine years in Memphis and earned his college degree in Virginia and worked in New York before coming to Connecticut. Ricky, welcome to The Curious Capitalist. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, you've had a very, very busy journey to get to this point, hey? Yes, I have. So tell me, tell me a little bit about the business as it is now in New Haven and the changes that you have seen over the last, say, three months or so?
1: Okay, um, well, right now we have a, I have one location on um, in New Haven, New Haven, Connecticut, address 302 Winchester Ave. And I've been here for four years. And I'd say overall, the business has grown annually. I'm still, you know, surprised I'm not even surprised, but just excited to see the growth in the business from where I started at seven years ago from a food truck and, and actually be able to continue to operate actual brick and mortar. So in the last three months, I would say they have been challenging, but I've also have been able to see um, a lot of opportunity, you know, during this this, this troubling time with the COVID-19 and then uh, a lot of people out of work and a lot of things going on with social injustice, civil, civil rights, racism, and all of that type of stuff and be able to operate um, during these times, a small business. It's been quite an experience, I must say. But um, you know, March and April were the two toughest months. March, as everybody knows, when everything really started to break out and um, business declined a lot um, for March and April. But um, May and June, we definitely seen a bounce back, and which is good. And and but this has also been a good time for growth because it gave me an opportunity to kind of you know, uh, study the consumer, study my customer a lot more. And one, one of the major takeaways is that even though business declined significantly in March and April, that doesn't mean it had anything to do with my business, with my products, with the service or anything. And I always knew that those customers were still there. Um, even during these tough times. And if I can kind of just hold it out, I kind of always had that feeling if I can just kind of hold it out, wait it out and use this time to tighten up on operations, use this time to tighten up on my product, make it better, improve. So when customers do come back, you know, they'll come back ready to spend, ready to get some more of the barbecue that they enjoyed before. Absolutely. (laughs) um, Before, Yeah, before uh, the COVID and everything broke out. And I mean, really, um, you know, it showed in May and June, you know, that folks still wanted to come out and get barbecue. And I mean, that's just, that's been great for me, great for my staff, because I was able to bring a lot of the, you know, my staff members who... I had to cut a lot of hours. I didn't lay anybody off during the term. We've been operating throughout this whole pandemic. We hadn't shut our doors or anything. But when business started to pick up in May and June, I was able to kind of start gradually bringing staff members back to work. But during those days, there's definitely some tough times. It was tough times when I just went to the store, bought everything, opened up the restaurant, closed the restaurant, did the orders, and a few days out the week, it was just me here by myself. So it was a lot of time lot of sacrifice. Yeah, so I've learned a lot in the past three months.
0: So a bit like going back to the old days of uh, really having to wear all of the hats within your business. You've kind of had to do that during this time.
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you think you've seen an increase in sales since the the unrest, if you like, you know, the George Floyd incident? Have you seen an uptake of people coming to your business because they want to support your business? You know, absolutely.
1: I mean, you know, it's, it's weird when I sit back and analyze it, because like I said, we've been here four years, even before the COVID situation and before George Floyd. We kind of market to folks in the community, you know, the Yale community uh, and people outside of the greater New Haven area. And it's funny, I can talk to some people or some customers that come in and just say how much they love the food and blah, 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 and they love the service and everything. And But then you talk to some people who live right down the street and would say that they never even heard of the rib shit. A lot of people love the, love the product, love the service. But then you talk to some people or somebody else has talked to other people and they say, oh, I didn't even know y'all were even over here on Winchester. I didn't even know you. How long y'all been here? Four years? Oh, my gosh. I never even heard about y'all. Or Some people say that they've heard about us, but they ain't never been in, so it's like, okay, how come you haven't been here? You live right down the street, yeah. So, so now just from talking to the customers and what I was able to take from it is after that whole situation, I found out more people like it almost kind of unfortunately, before almost opened their eyes a little bit and like, you know what, I need to get down here, I need to come down here, I need to go and uh, you know, spend local, buy local, and and I kind of Support is good, but I I don't use support as often because I don't, I want support, but I don't want support. Like what I want to do is I want the rib shack to be considered just like, you know, if you're you're hungry, you're trying to figure out what to eat. You trying to, you know, trying to figure out what you want to feed your family for dinner, come down to the rib shack. Don't just, you know. On merit. Like, on merit
0: merit. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: culture yeah exactly
0: so um absolutely so, i know that um, certainly my family during this time you know we we like to eat out and it's been really difficult you know it's been really not not difficult as in to feed ourselves <laughs> i'm not saying right, right. that for a second but just you miss that, the service that you're talking about, the ambiance that you get, and the quality of the food that you get freshly cooked. You know, we've really noticed Absolutely. it, and we're doing our best to support local restaurants near us, you know, and to, to get them through this difficult time. And, you know, I'd like to think that we're doing that irrelevant of race or color, Um, But there is a consideration, you know, particularly, uh, certainly my wife, we've had long conversations about this and we're like, right, we need to buy this, this and this this year. We are going to seek out minority owned businesses and we're going to buy the things that we know we're going to need from minority. You know, we're making a conscious effort to do more. You know, we need to do more. We need to be better. So
1: um, I'm glad that things are going well. Yeah. And then just to bounce off of that, um, you know, with that same thought process as far as intentional or making a conscious decision to support black business or minority business, like that may get you into the door. But at the end of the day, if the product isn't good, if the service isn't good, that support isn't going to last that long.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to be on um, point. Yeah. Yeah, the absolutely.
1: bottom line, the product and the service plays a huge role into uh returning customers.
0: Now let's talk about this. How did you end up as a brick and mortar? Because you got a great story. I mean, I just it's tell me how you got to this point in your career and ended up on Winchester.
1: You know, it's very interesting. Something you know, I'm a real big believer in um the universe. Me too, um, buddy, me too. I believe the universe works in mysterious ways even and sometimes the universe can put obstacles in your path just to test you to see how uh, you respond to adversity or obstacle and a lot of people give up don't want to or quit when they're faced with major um adversity but on my side i um i was able to overcome a lot of these adversities and um, obstacles and which ultimately led up to um, opening up over here on Winchester. So like I said, seven years ago, I started from the food truck. I did that for a few years. Learned the advantages and disadvantages of operating a food truck. Advantages, you can move around. You don't have to stay in one place. You can go to food truck festivals, open up, sell a whole bunch of stuff, make a whole lot of money, feed a whole bunch of customers. But there's a lot of missed opportunities on the food truck because in the wintertime, nobody's stopping at the food truck. Uh, the food truck just isn't sitting out there all day just, you know, maximizing on providing meals, selling meals to customers. So it was a lot of missed opportunity. And then after probably like three years of doing that, I had an opportunity to um, open up inside of a beer garden. And, um, you know, this was like, you know, the owner over there came to me on the food truck. I was at like a food truck festival and he was just like, look, I'm about to open up a beer garden, blah, blah, blah. Come down and check it out. It's going to be big. And I thought this could be a good opportunity for me to going into the fall you know fourth quarter winter fall time winter time be able to shut the food truck down and still continue to generate revenue for my business by bringing my business indoors at this beer garden so that was before the restaurant so i did that for a few months you know i learned a lot that was the first time that i really had an experience of what it was like operating my business indoors and having a customer base so they supplied the beer i supplied the barbecue And then there was another vendor in there who supplied pizza. Long story short, we were there for probably about like six months. The relationship kind of went sour. It went real bad. And they ended up terminating the agreement effective immediately, which is a whole nother story. The reason why they terminated the agreement didn't really hold up. And I have at this time, I probably had like eight staff members. So I had a big setback. uh, A big setback. Yeah, I I had staff. I had staff members who were determined to, you know, who were coming into work daily, you know, depending on that work, depending on uh, the money that they were making. I was as well, and it's unfortunate that it ended up happening that way. But also around that time, I was kind of being proactive and looking around for locations because I kind of got to a point where I'm like, all right, this can't be a long-term thing just me being in here. So before everything went sour, I was kind of already actively looking for that next opportunity deciding if I wanted to go brick and mortar or not. So anyway, they ended up becoming the whole legal thing and I ended up getting them to settle. But after they terminated everything, this location on Winchester opened up. This used to be a Chinese restaurant and they were looking to get out of their lease. Business wasn't good for them. And in addition, they had another location. So uh, long story short, this place opened up You know, I was already kind of in talks with a realtor who works with Yale and other, you know, big entities or whatever, and met him down here. We did a whole walkthrough, asked if I'd be interested, and I was able to open up over here. I was able to, you know, my staff who was working at the beer garden, a few of those guys transitioned over here. We started from painting the walls to reorganizing the the equipment. I had to go out and buy some new equipment that I needed, put a smoker in here, oven, warmer cabinets, and kind of built it out to where, you know, that fit my business, that fit the the rib shack. And um, a few of those guys who worked at the beer garden, at this point, five years ago, four or five years ago, they're still working with me today.
0: Retaining staff is hard, you know, so you must be doing something right for them guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, staff retention is very important because, I mean, as an employer, when you're hiring people, I mean, you're spending, you're, you're really investing into them because it takes time to train staff on the operations side, how the business is supposed to be ran, how it's supposed to be opened up, you know, how do you supposed to put the meals in the containers, making sure that the orders are correct, customer service is correct, and the, the culture that I wanted to kind of uh, instill in them for the customers, for the consumers, and how big it is, like, what we actually stand for in the community.
0: But you've had a, a wiggly path to end up here in Connecticut. Was it always the plan? I mean, you started out in Cleveland. Tell me a little bit about the journey from Cleveland to to Connecticut.
1: I was born in Cleveland, lived there until I was two. Moved to Memphis, Tennessee. It was down there from, like, 88 to, like, 97 or something like that. I would say more of my childhood was down there. And then um, I relocated, me and my family relocated back to Cleveland. And um, I was there from like sixth grade until I graduated high school. And then after high school, I ended up attending Virginia State University. Um, It's an HBCU located in Petersburg, Virginia. That's where I earned a bachelor's of science in business management. You know, I ended up getting a job after I graduated with the company and they relocated me to New York. when the company relocated me to New York, um, you know, at the time I had all, my mind was like, look, I didn't want to go nowhere north of Richmond. I wanted to go to like Charlotte, North Carolina or something like that. You know, I didn't want to be in the middle of the hustle and bustle. But when I graduated spring 2008, I mean, the country was, it was like right at the end of the Bush administration, beginning of the Obama administration, first term, we're at war, we're in a recession. It's all this crazy stuff going on. So, um. at the time, I would've been a fool, turned down a, a job opportunity because mm-hmm. I wasn't happy with the geographical location. <laughs> um, and so, so so, so, they relocated me to New York, you know, and I, I moved to Yonkers, worked in Westchester County. I, I worked as a facilities manager and then I ended up getting a, a promotion at, at some point after a couple of years. And I took on my own account in a school district in um, New Jersey. And so when I say facilities manager, I oversaw like custodial staff, contractors to come in and make repairs to the school's uh, maintenance to keep all the, the school buildings at the standard of the code. And then I had another kind of like bad experience. Um, yeah, so I had an experience and I, I, w- I was able to see how cutthroat corporate America was. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't know, the sacrificial lamb to, lamb to keep the the contract. So... I appreciate those times, you know, because when I was able to start up my own account in New Jersey in the school district, it was kind of a lot like I was running my own business. I looked at it as as a way of if I could do that for another company, you know, do the difficult immediately for another company. How come I can't do it for myself? So you took you the know, jump. So, yeah, so I took the jump. I ended up um, doing a little bit of research. One thing that I kind of always enjoyed, you know, which is like what I really enjoy doing. I really enjoy good company, cooking on the grill. Family, friends, good energy—you know, uh, positive vibes, good music. And, Sounds like and heaven.
0: I, Doesn't sound like yeah, work to me, Richard.
1: That's, that's that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> I ended up converting that into my own business, and and which ultimately led up to um, buying a food truck, putting my notice in at the job, and um, you know, just starting from the bottom and through trial and error and figuring out what, what work, what don't work, you know. And uh, when I got the food truck, everybody, you know, I had never, my wife is originally from New Haven. So I ended up putting a notice in at the job in uh, New York, transitioned up here, bought the food truck. And and that was, you know, seven years ago. Uh,
0: What do you wish that you had known before you started out on that career path to the food truck, now to bricks and mortar? What do you wish you'd known before you started out? I mean, how much work
1: it was going to be and how much (laughs) sacrifice it was. And, you know, um, I mean, you could do all your due diligence in the beginning, but you're really not going to know all everything until you actually get in the belly of the beast, you know. And you know the overhead is is a lot higher. And one thing with the with the brick and mortar is, um, you know, those bills won't come in regardless if you got customers or not. You know, I mean, that was a big adjustment. I wasn't used to paying thousand dollar plus electric bills. I wasn't used to paying a couple thousand dollars of of rent. I wasn't used to paying the uh, employees. You got the wage rate. You got the employer taxes. You got workers comp. You got all of these expenses and stuff, but um, I was able to kind of stick with it, continue to build and grow the business. And and, and now we're here.
0: Amazing. You mentioned your wife earlier. Was she supportive of your endeavors? What did she think when you were going to hand your notice in in New York and get a food truck?
1: Um, one thing about my wife, she's been there with me since day one. I mean, a lot of people don't see, you know, everything that's involved. Well, I mean, you know, she's been there from the beginning. She was 100% supportive, putting the notice in at the job and kind of, uh, you know, doing my, starting my own business and starting my own journey. I think now, I think now if you ask her, she might feel a little bit because... <laughs> She she still she's still with me, she's still on my team, but I think even her was sometimes it kinda surprises her because hey damn like it's every day. I'm still in it, I'm still doing, it. I'm still doing it. And even back then, seven years ago, I don't know if we would have we didn't picture this part, this stage in where I'm at now back then and then even now you know I do a lot of talking and you're like alright what's the next move you know what's the next move and
0: you know it's uh, interesting at the, at the end of podcasts usually I like to ask you know like what is the plan what's the 5 year plan the 10 year plan I'm going to skip straight to that with that in mind have you got any niggling thoughts at the back of your mind or where this is going to go for you
1: you, you want to know something that I've really been really been thinking about um, what I've been thinking about doing is um, you know scaling up my business you know and especially during this time. You know, we're in a time of so much racial division and so much going on in the world. You know, you got a lot of big companies that's out here trying to figure out how they can diversify their organizations, their companies to include more uh, more minorities and leadership positions. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about um, supporting more local small businesses, minority-owned businesses. So one thing I was thinking about this might be a great time to scale up my business to um, to open up multiple locations. Like, so how would I do that? What I was thinking about was like a uh, opening up a rib shack distribution center. The rib shack distribution center would be. The the location where all of the prepping would be done, all of the smoking, all of the cooking, meat size, storage, doing my own distribution, having my own branded delivery vehicles, uh, open up locations in various areas throughout Connecticut and who knows throughout the country, throughout the region, throughout the country. But each location would only be, you know, to store To refrigerate, reheat, hot holding, and then getting the product out to the customer. You know, this way it would improve and maintain uh, product consistency, product and service efficiency, and so that you know we can kind of we don't have to worry about a customer going to. New Haven, Rib Shack, and it tastes this way, it tastes great, but then going to a uh, uh, Rib Shack in Bridgeport or in Stamford or in Hartford, and they all taste different. But if I can utilize that distribution center, and in addition to, like, each location would only be takeout only, delivery only, ordering online, and then I would like to add a drive through the right location. You wow, know.
0: you're going to be busy so, for the next five to ten years, Ricky. Very busy. Your wife's not going to see you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a lot, you know. But I mean, she's if she's been there with me this whole time. I don't, she ain't going nowhere. No, she'll, definitely
0: she'll be not. right with me. Yeah. Well, if you if you tackle it with as much tenacity as you have to date, I'm sure it'd be a huge success. So you're shortly going to be doing what we call a fireside chat with the guys at Conscious Capitalism in Connecticut. How did they first reach out to you and how did you first hear about that?
1: Okay, so I met Eleanor um, Slamba like years ago, a few years ago through uh, an initiative or organization that she found. um, She was a part of um, called Maiden made in New Haven and from her initiative what she wanted to do with that organizational program was basically to promote New Haven made products and New Haven made uh, small businesses and you know and I make my own barbecue sauce I got my own dry rub you know and that she saw that and that was like something that she liked I mean she's kind of also seen that transition from the food truck days and now the restaurant we've been here four years and and then she actually emailed and introduced uh, me to Glenn McDermott and Red Rock Brandy and asked me this is something I'd be interested in speaking with them about and connecting with you guys and I was just like absolutely.
0: Now Conscious Capitalism is going to be great I'm really looking forward to hearing you speak at the event they're a great bunch for what it's worth you know and one of the, the the key things about Conscious Capitalism is about doing business that has like a higher purpose you know, you're really not just in it for the money. You're trying to do some social good. I think that, you know, your business is quite aligned with that. What would you say would be your higher purpose with your business? You know
1: what, man? I like to provide opportunities, you know? I like to um, I like to be in a position to give people a shot. You know, when I graduated college, man, it was back in days when, you know, I'd go knock on companies' doors, fill out an application, look for a job. they turn me down, you know, going online filling out applications, trying to find work. It turned me down. You know, I got turned down for multiple jobs and multiple opportunities. But at the end of the day, like, one thing that I always said, I'm like, you know, how come, you know, I just want somebody to give me a shot
0: and and here you are a few years later and you've done it and still going on for world domination and that distribution center you know it's it's a huge success story it really is and it's it's great to have you in new haven when you're not working which doesn't seem like very often uh, Mm um what do you do to relax tv sports what's your thing
1: music well we're not watching too much sports now so um (laughs) you know what i um I like to spend time with my family because I am uh, working all the time. You know, yesterday was my daughter's birthday. She turned six, you know, and, you know, when I'm not working, I like to spend time with the family. This is a tough question, okay.
0: If you Mm. could have dinner with any figure in history, who would it be and why? And what question might you ask them? They can be alive, they can be dead, either. Mm. Your ideal dinner party at Ricky D's, come on.
1: Man, I think it's only fair to uh, invite Obama, you know? President Obama. Yes. Uh, I mean, him being like the first black president and just what he stands for, you know, Um, positivity, um, encouragement, entrepreneurship. And then those experiences that he's experienced just being in the White House for eight years, two terms, and all of that uh, hatred that, you know, that he received a lot of time, regardless if you believe in like his policies or, or not, everything, you know, everybody's not gonna be happy with everything, but I mean, he's somebody who's full of insight, full of knowledge, full of information, so, I mean, yeah, that would, that would be one person. That's the first person who came I'd in like
0: life. to come to that as well. Can, can you ask him to bring his wife? He, I mean, he's such a <laughs> spiritual guy as well. I think yeah, he'd be yeah, a really yeah. interesting uh, person to have dinner with for sure. So, okay, Michelle Obama, which I voted for. Who else would you have at your dinner party?
1: Who else would I have? Um, I'm, I like people like Snoop. You know, he's somebody... <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a rapper, but also what he stands for, uh, motivation. Man, anybody who, who speaks on motivation and power, you know, Diddy, people that are in the entertainment industry who have made it pretty high up and and are considered to be successful. and But even them, they don't have like a ceiling to where it's like, you know, okay, I'm successful. Now I'm gonna become stagnant and not progress anymore, you know?
0: I want an invite yeah. to your dinner party, please. Pretty please. Absolutely. <laughs> what has been your greatest success, both professionally and personally?
1: Um, Professionally, you know, I definitely have to say the business, the restaurant, like it's not it's not easy. It's not easy starting a business. It's not easy maintaining a business. It's not easy growing a business. And, you know, I just think about when I put my notice in at that job and I literally quit the job that at the time, you know, with a couple increases, I was making about 50, 55,000 a year. And, you know, I sacrificed that, you know, withdrew from my 401 k to invest in myself to invest into the food truck and that was that 401k that I um generated just in those four years I was able to put a deposit down on the food truck and get the food truck so I mean and then and then for me to still be doing this and not have to depend on like a consistent check coming in and kind of like the fear of just not having a consistent check and like what if you get out here and, you know, the food truck doesn't make any money? And that's how it was at the beginning. It was like, you know, you're looking at the money. You know, now, now so much, I'm not looking so much as the money. I'm looking so much more to, like, growth. Uh, what's the next move? How can I expand? So, I mean, I would say from a professional level to where we are now, it's been a good achievement, and I appreciate that.
0: What's your greatest success personally?
1: Man, my daughter. You know, my daughter, um... I was actually working when she was born. I had uh I was actually doing Ricky. Catering. That's
0: you're not meant to admit to that. <laughs> come on. No,
1: but 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 hear the story out Okay, with. go on. Um so I was actually doing an on site catering job in New Haven. It was like two hundred people. Big job. And you know, when you wake up in the morning it's not like, Okay, my daughter is gonna be born today, you know what I'm saying? It's like she gonna come whenever, you know, but I knew it was close, but <laughs> on this day, you know, it was a big job. So Went out there, it was a beautiful sunny day. The community came out behind the, um, the Dixwell uh, Stetson Library. Everybody enjoyed the food. They had a DJ, they had music. You know, I had, had a couple dollars in my pocket. Um, and it was just like a great day. And then right when we got finished, I got the phone call and it was like, babe, uh, she's coming, come here now. And I'm like, all right. And it was like the perfect day. You know, I mean, she didn't take forever to come out. You know. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was just smooth. It was, you know, some people be in labor for hours and hours thinking that the baby coming, but then are not coming. And then it's just a real pain. But my daughter, man, like that day was the best day of my life. And it was like she knew it was time to come out. And then even like fast forward now, like she she's six years old, but she loves the rib shack. She loves the food. She even sits there and she wants to she has like her little toys and stuff. And she has her own restaurant. She has her own. Uh, Want to serve and and make oh. transactions, you know, make <laughs> transactions. You know? I
0: bet she does. She'll have her pocket money soon, making transactions with Daddy. You wait. Yeah.
1: And, um, <laughs> and and I mean and I mean, it's just an awesome experience. And and like, I didn't force that on her. Like, this is all just like natural stuff that she wants to do. You know, Daddy, what would you like to eat today? I'm like, yeah, let me get a steak, some broccoli with some cheese on it, and um, and a baked potato loaded. And then she was like, "Okay, Daddy, that'll be uh, five thousand dollars.
0: Five thousand dollars. Good girl. She's gonna go far, Ricky. She's gonna go far." <laughs>
1: I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, man. I'm like, you, your margins is right on point.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> so, good parenting, right there. So, on the other yeah. side of successes, we've of course got the fears. What's been your greatest fear that you've had to face in your life that you've overcome?
1: Quitting, my, quitting the job and then the business not being successful and then not being able to find another job. Biggest fear, you know, the agreement getting terminated at the at the beer garden effective immediately. And then it's like, get your stuff out now. Like, what do you do? Like, you can't go in there and just be pissed off and start tearing shit up because then now you got a different problem on your hand. Now you got vandalism and charges and yeah. all this other type. So that was a big fear because I got at the time, you know, eight, nine employees and you know, what do I tell them? I just had to tell them like, <laughs> you know, we're not going to be at the beer garden no more. And then it's like, now I have no income. I mean, I still had the truck at the time. So I had to get back on the truck, grind it out. And then it's like, damn, what's the next move? So that can be fear. I mean, this whole COVID situation, I mean, the way things just business just drop like that, that that's fear. You know, but but one one thing that I did recognize that even with, with the COVID time, I compared the COVID time during the time of my first, second year here at the restaurant. It wasn't worse than that time, meaning um, like my first winter here at the restaurant was off. It's like so that was the first winter that I had to experience from business being high in the summertime and slowly declining in the fall time, and then by the winter time, it was days that I would open up, set up, and then at the end of the day, I'd break down, close the register out, and realize I didn't even put any cash in the drawer to uh, start the drawer off with, meaning I had no customer. And um, so, I mean, that's fear. So it's like, damn, you know, and then bills to due. So that's, like, yeah, I've had quite a few fears. <laughs>
0: And I think it's about facing them anyway, isn't it? And what I do really like about your story is that you're always looking a couple of steps ahead. You know, you're never just satisfied with what you've got. It's very easy to sit on your laurels and say, "Okay, I've made it. You know, I've I've created the food truck. I created the brand, moved into bricks and mortar. That's it now. I'm just going to run my successful restaurant and, you know, sit on my throne. But that's not enough for you. It's like, no, what's no. next? What's next? And that's the difference, I think, between, you know, uh, somebody who's a really forward-thinking business and somebody who's going to stay very stagnant. So I've got great hope for you, Ricky. Come on. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm looking forward. To, I tell you what, I'm going to uh, make sure that I uh, get in and sample some of these ribs very, very soon. Uh Tell Absolutely. me all the blurb, tell me all the details that I need to know. What's your website and what's the address again? And how can I get my hands on the ribs? So the uh, website
1: is rickydsribshack.com. You can um, go there and check out the restaurant menu, a la carte menu, on-site catering menu. However, we're not doing much on-site catering now, but it's there. Uh, you can place your order through the website and uh, we'll get it here at the restaurant. We can have it ready for you to pick up in about 15, 20 minutes. I mean, we're on all of the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Just look up rickydsribshack.com. Also got a few videos on YouTube of different on-site catering jobs that we have that we've done in the past. You know, Twitter, rickydsribshack.com. We're on Uber Eats. We delivered through Uber Eats. Uh, yes Ricky D's rib shacks yep (laughs) there you go
0: so stick the call in today get your hands on some some real good quality food made with love made in New Haven Ricky it's been an absolute pleasure I wish you and your family and your staff all the luck in the world get through this uh, corona business and come out the other end bigger better faster more hey oh yeah we'll
1: get through it I appreciate everything Claire
0: thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest installment of the curious capitalist For more information, you can visit the website connecticut.consciouscapitalism.org.